Hey, everybody. Welcome to You Were Born for this podcast with Father John Ricardo. That's me. I'm Father John. I am the executive director at Acts 29, where we talk about anything and everything having to do with transformation in the church. I'm here, as always, with my partner in mission, Mary Guilfoyle. Mary, happy day after the Feast of Divine Mercy. How are you? I'm doing great and continued Easter blessings to you, Father John. Amen. Jesus is risen. He is risen indeed, huh? So what do we got for a title? So um, our conversation today uh, is called Striving to Maintain Unity. Hmm, nothing to work on there for most of us, huh? Yeah, we should probably pray on this one, shall we? In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Uh, Father, in these uh, great days, uh, these days in which we continue to, uh, in a leisurely fashion, linger over your Son's resurrection and eagerly awaiting the outpouring of the Holy Spirit that we're about to celebrate in Pentecost, we do ask that you would continue to bring healing to the body of Christ, which is the church. Lord, we ask that you would uh, bring about in our day, even today, evermore what it is that your son prayed fervently for the night before he went to the cross when he prayed that all those who believe in him would be one so that the world might believe that you sent him and so that the world might know that you love them even as you love him. Lord, we ask that you would hear our sorrowful lament for the countless ways in which we have been instruments and agents of division and not of healing and not of unity. Lord, we just pray that you, as only you can, uh, would make us one. And in becoming ever more one, that you would use us to draw others to yourself through your son by the power of your spirit. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Thank you for that prayer. That is anointed, beautiful word for us today. Amen. Hey, we got two quick things just to let people know before we we dive into this. So one is uh, we continue to have, uh, we want to let people know about this event coming up in Columbus. We're going to be preaching the gospel on June 18th. That's the day before Father's Day and the great liturgical feast of Corpus Christi. So we're going to be down in Columbus. You can find more information about this at stgabrielradio.com. But we're partnering with them and with the good people in the Diocese of Columbus, who just got a new bishop, by the way. And so we're looking forward to that. We're hoping to get about 3,000 people or so just to hear the gospel and to be uh, driven out on mission so as to help God get his world back. So we'd love to have you. If you haven't heard anything about that, you can go to uh, to their website or you can go to rescueproject.us, right? And get you some more can. information there as well. And so we would, we would also encourage people to invite people. So don't only just come and, and register for yourself, but we just challenge you to invite 10 people to come oh, with you. you. Absolutely. Okay. Bring a Winnebago. Let's go to the great state of Ohio <laughs> in the middle of June. Hey, there's Woo-hoo. good folks in Columbus. Yeah. We also just want to ask people to pray. We got a couple of uh, retreats coming up this week and next, right? We're going to yeah. be in the diocese of Bismarck with uh, our brothers there. And then next week we're going to be where? We're going to be in Denver. Yeah, the Archdiocese of Denver. So please, please hold our brothers in prayer. Um, these are tremendous occasions of grace for the Spirit just to move, uh, to strengthen fraternity, uh, to speak, uh, to reinvigorate, to give us confidence, and especially in these Easter days, just to uh, to give thanks for all that Jesus has done for us, right? Amen. Amen, Father John. So um, I might ask you to... to Read for us just a second, Mary, if you wouldn't mind. Um, 
Ephesians chapter 4. It's verses 1 to 6, but maybe I can just say a little bit more about where this theme comes from, at least in my own mind. So, um, you know, I go back to a year ago. We were in the Diocese of Denver. We were in the Diocese of Portland, and we just saw God do extraordinary things in the presbyterates there. And um, when we were there, I think it was especially in the Archdiocese of Portland, the Lord just reminded, I think, the brothers, you know, we're only as strong as our foundations and in a particular way, um, not the only way, but in a particular way, the foundation of, you know, a diocese in terms of like renewal um, is the presbyterate. So, you know, like if if priests aren't united, and man, even just saying that, I am like <laughs> wreathing with conviction just because I'm so aware of the times I haven't been as united as I could and should be with brothers. But you know, if we're not united, I mean, what in the world are we inviting people to, for crying out loud? So we're going to go and, nowhere if we're not one, right? And it doesn't look attractive because just as we can see disunity within the church, those outside the church can also see the lack of unity. Yeah. And it's not the least bit attractive. Yeah. Right? So we, we uh, you know, this, this just to be clear, like unity doesn't mean um, uniformity. Uh, the, the beauty of the church is unity in the midst of genuine and legitimate diversity. There's 22 rights in the Catholic church. You know, I mean, like it, it's extraordinary, you know, for all the caricatures that uh, kind of the mainstream media or the world at large might uh, have of the Catholic church, you can't find a more genuinely diverse um, people than Catholics. I mean, like, you want to be a Carthusian? Go for it. You want to exercise the charismatic gifts? Go for it. You want to go to mass in, in Latin? Go to town. You know, I mean, you, you can't find this kind of diversity. Richness and depth. And, right? and, and I think most of us, if we're really honest, like, we don't handle diversity well. Like, we actually, I, I think this is true for me anyway, I do want unif unity often to look like uniformity because we're so suspicious at times of someone who's different. Like if you were really Catholic, you'd be like this. And that's just not true. You know, we're, we're leaving uh, as, a, as a given here, like orthodox beliefs, but we have a hard time, I think, with, uh, with genuine unity and legitimate diversity. So that's where this is coming from in my own mind. And I, I've been led more and more just to linger over my own prayer, Ephesians chapter 4. Would you mind reading this? Sure, I'd be happy to. So the, these are Paul's words to the church in Ephesus. And he writes, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of your calling, to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and father of all who is over all and through all and in all. There's a lot to unpack there. Yeah, there's a lot. I have, John. I have a slightly, that's the ESV, right? I think that's what you're using. I have a slightly different translation in the RSV where Paul says, um, I beg you to lead a life worthy of the calling. It's almost like he's saying, I'm, I'm begging you to be who you are. 
you know, the people of God, the, the body of Christ. I'm begging you, I'm exhorting you to do this. And then um, my translation in the RSV is, you know, with lowliness and meekness, with patience, forbearing one another. And then the, the, the thing that strikes me in this verse, there's a lot of things. We want to break open those four words in a minute. But he says, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. And that word eager, it's almost like take pains to do this. Like, roll up your sleeves, go to work, and do this. And notice he says, not to attain unity. But to maintain it. Yeah, to maintain unity, which means somehow, in, in, in a very true sense, it's a given. Like, unity is a given. When you and I were baptized, that's what he goes on to talk about. There's one faith, one baptism. When I was baptized, I was baptized into um, the body of Christ. I became a member of the body of Christ. And and just like Adam comes into existence when God breathes the breath of life into him and he becomes a living being, um, so the church comes into existence when the Spirit breathes into us, right? God hands, Jesus hands over the Spirit and the Spirit brings the church into existence. And so there's there's like a pre-existent unity like we, we started in unity and ever since we've been actually f- fostering disunity. This has been present as a tension from the get-go. But the, the church was one at its founding. That's, that's really huge to understand, right? So we're supposed to strive to maintain this, be eager to maintain this. So maybe we can break open these words. Now you've got what? Humility, meekness, patience, forbearance. Is that what you got? And I think we've both been uh, just soaking up and really enjoying uh, Peter Williamson's great commentary on Ephesians. It's in that awesome commentary, the Catholic commentary on sacred scripture, which, oh, by the way, if you're looking for a great commentary, um, they've got, I think now, every book of the New Testament done. If not, it's just about done. Um, and a great series to talk about worthy of investing in. Yeah, worth but, having in your library. So there, there's some things here that are with each of these words, right? These are like the four virtues, genuinely necessary for unity, right? For maintaining this unity. Uh, and they really have to do with attitudes and, and mindsets, don't they? The mind and the heart. Yeah. Because when you were talking about unity earlier, I mean, that's where we want the unity is here in our minds, right? And then here in our hearts. And so much of this happens as I'm looking at this list of virtues is it's what's happening here in my heart, yeah. you know? So there's something disordered in my heart. Yeah. So so the first thing that's necessary is humility or uh, or lowliness, right? Which um, which was not a virtue for the pagans. And, and in fact, um, Peter makes the point in his commentary, like this word that Paul uses here, it doesn't even show up in the Greek uh, translation of the Old Testament, or maybe it shows up once. It's either one or the other. And, and it means um, either to think oneself insignificant or poor or lowly. And, you know, so humility causes people to stumble oftentimes because it means, I, I think in some people's minds, it's like, oh, I don't think very much about me, myself. And it's not so much I don't think much about myself. It's just I don't think about myself. Right. It means I, to think about the other. Right. Not having that egocentric mind, yeah. you know, outward looking, yeah. not always looking at ourselves. And then I think also just to realize, hey, you know, like you have lots of gifts that I don't. And I rejoice in that as opposed to, oh, I wish I had your gifts, which I think oftentimes we do, right? Because we're just kind of insecure. So a first, a first virtue necessary for humility is just this mindset to think uh, accurately about myself. Like, 
this is really shocking, but I'm not God's gift to the world. And neither are you. And neither are you. Ha ha. Right. Uh, what else do we need? And, and, and the second virtue, uh, Father John, that uh, St. Paul talks about is meekness. And meekness is not weakness. Right. And I think sometimes we think that we think gentle, we think meekness, and then sometimes our minds immediately go to we, uh, to weakness. But, but meekness actually means strength under control. And it, it's that inner strength that we have not, not to retaliate or not to come back at someone. Yeah. But you have this great story. I mean, you have a great way of describing meanness. Yeah, I, I mean, I got this from somebody many years ago, and it, you can find this in different places. One of the ways to understand the Greek word that Paul's using here is it's, it's almost like a, um, it's a word that was used at times anyway to talk about breaking a wild horse. I love that. Yeah, I'm so, to- you know... Um, so I buy a horse and I say, hey, Mary, come on over and check out the horse. And you look at me and you go, uh, hey, Padre, I think you got ripped off. I'm like, just one wild why, horse. Why? Yeah, because like, it, it's out of control. And then, you know, you come back in a couple of weeks and I go, hey, um, check out the horse. I meeked it, which means it's still the same horse. It's got all its power, but now everything is perfectly under control. Under control. And that's the word that Jesus uses to describe himself. Come to me. And learn from me, for I am meek. He's the pure power of God. Everything's under control, right? Um, I think Peter talks about it's the inner strength not to retaliate. And and not about you, but like I'm thinking about man. If you want to see an image of that, it's Jesus showing up on Easter Sunday and not just crushing all the apostles who left him to get tortured to death. Yeah, not 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 how we would respond. Right. Yeah, I was. I listened to, to Father Dave Tomaszicki's homily here in the Archdiocese of Detroit yesterday. He's like, you know, Jesus does not greet the apostles in the upper room the way I would have if I had been left to die on a cross, right? And uh, I forget who I just heard. Maybe it was Archbishop Vigner on here, but just talking about, I didn't, I didn't even really pondered this at length before, but just you know, the whole greeting of peace be with you. Right. Like that's the Easter greeting. Like Jesus never addressed anybody that way until Easter Sunday, which is just mm. worth pondering, right? Like of all the times when someone should be angry, it should have been that day. Like guys, where were you? Oh gosh, Lord Jesus, give us that heart. Yeah. Right, Father John. Yep. So what's the next word? So the next word is patience. Break this open for us, Father. Yeah, so patience here, I love, uh, I think it's Peter again in his uh, commentary. I love this image because I think visually, Paul's exhorting us to have a long fuse. I don't know about you, I have a short fuse. Like, it it might be, I don't know, a millimeter, you know? (laughs) I I mean, it, it doesn't take much, and I can just, at least internally, I've learned over the years to somewhat control it from coming out, but man, it is right beneath the surface. And it could be the, like the person who cut me off, uh, or it could be the person, uh, you know, who's looking at me a particular way, or, you know, it could be somebody in a meeting, who knows what it is, but it's amazing how short-fused most of us are. I had a couple encounters uh, just last week, um, and what's most revelatory for me at the end of, you know, uh, some, some challenging days was even if I didn't give voice to it, I'm having this interior conversation with myself about the circumstances that I found myself in. And I just, at the end of the day, you just 
fall to your knees and go, oh, Jesus Christ, son of the living God, like have mercy on me. Like we're trying to hold our mouths, but the heart is still not where it needs to be, yeah. right? With yeah. that long fuse and that, and, that, and just that, uh, just that steadfastness when you're in those places. Can you imagine if God's fuse looked like ours? We would not be, be like, sitting here. We would, we would not be sitting here, Padre. I would have been toast, you know, no. right? No. And then finally, he he urges us, exhorts us to forbear. That's my favorite. I that's know you why. Love that's this why word. I said, would you take patience? Because I love forbearance because I so struggle with it. So bearing with one another's burdens, forbearing with one another, and the way that um, uh, uh. The way this is broken open for us in this commentary, it's defined as, um, this means like kindly putting up with people's faults and their idiosyncrasies rather than reacting the way we instinctively feel like reacting. And you know what? Paul was keenly aware of human behavior and how much grace was required mm. of that. And I think I've shared this before with a set of folks that in the New Testament, there's there's probably close to a hundred one another statements. Comfort one another, exhort one another, forgive one another, bear with one another. And this is an area, Father John, where I struggle. Yeah. I think, you know, I, I immediately think about uh, when I'm doing marriage prep and, and, and walking with couples in the early stages of relationships, it's it's, it's interesting to me because it's often their idiosyncrasies which attract them to each other. Mm -hmm. And then they just begin to annoy the living daylights out of each other after that, right? Um, it, for me, it was like moving to Rome. Like people always go, oh, did you love living in Rome? It's like, no, I hated living in Rome because the things that you find so endearing, like, oh, it's so quaint. They close their shops at, you know, three in the afternoon so that people can, you know, take a nap or whatever. It's like, that's not quaint when you live You've there just and you got to go somewhere. Me. I mean, right. I had people shut doors and lock them in my face, you know, because it's like, sorry, we got to take a nap now. So yeah, those idiosyncrasies, uh, we tend to not really welcome the way right. that we should welcome, Unfortunately, right? we have laser focus on what uh, on what actually absolutely annoys us. And I'm sure that I absolutely annoy Tons of people too, oh, and I expect nobody, and sure. I expect them to forbear with me. So, Father right. John, so so like these are like these are all the virtues that Paul's breaking open for us. What are the remedies? How do we how do we go about um, attaining those virtues? Praying for the grace to have our hearts and minds reordered. Yeah, well, certainly. I mean, the the ultimate answer is that only the Spirit can do this, right? I mean, like only God can take people who are as diverse as we are and make us one. Um, that's what he does by the power of his spirit. So a first step is kind of what we talked about earlier, just asking the Lord, Lord, help me to understand like that I really do belong to the one body and you know, like you're my sister and actually you're, you're more than my sister or you know, the person over here is more than my brother. We are in fact one body. This is what Paul's talking about, and he does it in Corinthians too. We really are, this is not an image. And so to not love the other is actually to be rather self-loathing because the other is part of the same body, body that I am, which I became part of by baptism and am nourished by in the Eucharist. So, so first step is just, you know, like ask the Lord, Lord, help me to see who we are. Um, but there's more, right? 
So Father John, as you're talking about that, and I'm I'm reflecting on uh, what I regularly take to confession, and one I think at the root of so much of my uh, my sinfulness is of, and I said this to my confessor is I fail to love well. At the end of the day, what brings me here is I have loved so poorly, and um, what uh, I heard someone put it like this: We simply love shallowly. Mm. And if we really loved one another deeply, as you just said, because we're part of the body, if we really appreciated how much God the Father hates division, we would we would strive for maturity in the spirit. So we would love as God calls us to love. And that was the cry of Jesus on the cross, right? That was he prayed that we would be one. Yeah, it's the it's the prayer he makes uh, that night before he goes to the cross, right? Just that uh, that we would all be one. Yeah, we would all be one. And, I, and, and 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 it's just um, a scandal yeah. on so many levels. Yeah, and I think immediately here, you know, like this is one of those places where. Um, going to communion can really be transformative because we can either, you know, approach the Eucharist in a very individualistic kind of overly devotional way, or we can try to ask the Lord, what are you trying to accomplish in me right now as you give yourself to me and Mm -hmm. unite me to you? And one of the things he's trying to do is he's trying to give me his heart and his mind, which is a heart and a mind which not only desires, but works for and prays for unity. And so uh, if the Eucharist, like if you want, if you want to know whether or not the Eucharist is fruitful in your life and in mine, then, you know, when we leave mass, we should be kinder, more loving, um, more genuinely humble, meeker, forbearing. Otherwise, what, what the Lord is giving himself in order to accomplish within us is not happening, right? So this speaks to perhaps maybe, Father John, like this intentionality as we move into the Eucharist. Mm. You know, maybe perhaps praying for a particular grace as you're going up to receive our Lord, body, blood, soul, and divinity. And you were talking about, you know, being transformed. I mean, but basically what we're asking for, we're taking him in, we're, we're, we can actually have, it's within the power of, of the sacramental grace to have a transformed, a transfused mind, a transfused heart. But so often, and I, I do this too, right? We go up rather perfunctory, not realizing just this incredible union, union that's happening right there. And the question is, does it change us? Does yeah. it change me? Yeah. Right. You know, there's a, uh, there's a quote um, in Peter's commentary from uh, Cardinal Contalamesa uh, about a way to think about overcoming these obstacles. Share that, would you? I mean, this is such a great image here. I. I absolutely love this. So he he suggests that we can overcome obstacles to unity when he compares um, embolisms in the Mm. body of Christ. And so as we know, pulmonary embolisms uh, are life-threatening. My mom almost died from a shower of pulmonary emboli into the lungs. And these are like these abnormal particles um, that obstruct the passage of blood through our veins and our arteries. and And if they're not cleared in time, like you impact, you know, this clear pathway to like blood circulation, right? Um, Right, absolutely. And in the church, which is the body of Christ, we face our own kind of embolisms. I love this. He said, these obstacles to communion include the refusal to forgive, lasting hostility, 
uh, bitterness, wrath, anger, slander, and all of that. And I love that whole image. And then later on, Peter talks about how we, how he invites us, Contalamesa, to pray into that. And it's a way that we pray in Acts 29 when we're praying um, as a physician. You want to break that open? Yeah, we call it diagnostic prayer, which means just to pray with kind of the mindset of a, of a doctor and you're asking the Lord to show you an x-ray, a spiritual x-ray. In this case, it's kind of like, Lord, show me a spiritual x-ray of my own life uh, in a particular way. Like, where am I serving as like one of those emboli uh, right, where I'm right. causing division, blockage, uh, in the blood flow in the body of Christ. and Such a powerful image. What yeah, a great examine, right? People often say, you know, I pray and I, I never hear God's voice. Um, let me give you a prayer that I'll bet you'll hear his voice pretty quickly on. Just say something like this, Lord, show me where am I being an agent of disunity? Mm. Like in my marriage or my family or my parish or my rectory or my presbyterate uh, or the diocese. And I'll bet, Oh, the You'll Lord be going like, speak. whoa, 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 slow down, <laughs> hang on. I got to get another pen. I'm out of ink, right? Um, and the Lord doesn't do that to condemn us. He does it to convict us because this is something that's near and dear to his heart. He, right. he, this he is wants what his he people wants. to be one. He desires, and it grieves him so, right? Yeah, right, it grieves his heart. Not. Amen. So maybe, you know, in these uh, early weeks of Easter, mindful that uh, the great celebration of Pentecost is still a little bit up ahead, let's... Let's start really intentionally turning to the Holy Spirit and just asking him to show us where it is we are being agents of disunity in all those various contexts that we named. And maybe there's some other ones too at work, school, wherever. And, and then to show us something very concretely that we can do to address that and to rather than be a, a blockage, uh, to be a means by which healing can flow into our homes and uh, into our parishes and into our rectories and into our workplaces and into our diocese and trust that God wants to do this, right? Amen. It's a beautiful prayer, Father John. All right. In the meantime, as always, do not be afraid. God is with you and you were born for this.